So let's go ahead and jump into week two of the benefits. If you were here last week, we started our, our new series on, um, on basically Romans, the fifth chapter, looking at verses one through five. And, and if you haven't had a chance to go back to, to hear last week's message, really all these things are going to be building a little bit as we go through these five verses of very powerful, very theologically uh, deep, but very approachable portions of Scripture. So if you didn't get to hear that last week, I encourage you to go back. Uh, it's on our website. You can hear the week one. Uh, last week, we went through basically verses one and two. We're, this week, we're going to go through verse number three. And then the following week, we're going to go through four and five. But before we jump into the scripture, before we really jump into what we're going to be talking about, let's go ahead and, and take a moment and just pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this moment and this time. Father, I pray that as, as we come and as we open your word, as Father, as we, we dive in a little bit deeper into what you are, are saying to us through Paul, that Father, you would just open our hearts, you would open our minds, you would open our spirit to understand what your spirit wants to communicate to us. That Father, we would, as we look at these things, that we would we'd not be afraid to kind of pull back the layers of the onion a little bit and really see what you want to communicate to us. Father, I know I have my ideas of what I think is, would be good for us to, to grab a hold of today. But God, I, I'm not interested in that as much as I'm interested in you communicating to each and every one of us, those that are here, those that are online, exactly what you desire for us to learn about you today. So God, I pray that you would just speak through me and help me to accomplish what you set out for each and every one this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to read, since it's only five verses, we're going to look at Romans 5, 1 through 5. I'll put it up on the screen. It'll be there, obviously. You'll have your Bibles as well. Uh, and uh, we'll kind of be in that area this morning. So this is what it says. Therefore, since we have been made right with God, in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Last week we, we talked about this concept of, of peace with God and this concept of this right standing, this undeserved grace, an undeserved um, situation where God has, has taken us and he's taken us from a place of, of loss to a place of found and all these types of things. And, and so we can enjoy that and, and, and let that be a lifestyle that we have. So let's continue. We're going to be in verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us de uh, develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Man, Romans 5 is just a powerful portion of scripture. 
And verses 1 through 5 just really comes at us. And, and Paul, because of kind of the way that Romans is kind of laid out, Paul is kind of taking us on this journey. And we don't have time necessarily this morning to go through, obviously, Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4. But he's kind of brought us along. And then he hits us really this amazing portion of Scripture here in Romans 5. But this morning, we're really going to really hone in on just basically verses uh, number 3. And here's what it says. It says, we can too, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. We're going to stop and we're going to dissect this verse this morning. We're going to look at four different ideas and concepts that I believe God wants us to see and understand. Four benefits that we can pull out of this scripture that God wants us to apply to our lives and let this become something that becomes a lifestyle change in us. So the first thing we're going to look at is the benefit of rejoicing. The benefit of rejoicing. It says we can to now rejoice. Now obviously Obviously, we have to remember what the context is. We have to remember what last week we learned about this idea of God. Now we have this peace with God. That before, in a lot of ways, we were kind of warring with God. God was after us and we were kind of resisting and saying, no, nah, I'm not interested in that. And I asked you to remember the time in your life when maybe you didn't have peace with God. When God and you were kind of, you know, butting heads and kind of going through these things. But yet, because of what Jesus has done for us, we have this peace with God that's been brought, and now we have this undeserved privilege, this grace that we can now stand in God's presence and abide there. We talked about that last week, how, how with this, this concept, what Paul wants us to understand is not that God and we have this now kind of this, this relationship like you maybe have with your doctor, where with your doctor, you, when, when there's an issue or there's a problem, you call your doctor. You, you call up the doctor and you say, listen, I'm dealing with this. I need to make an appointment for, you, for me to come to see you to help me get better or deal with this or, so, so, you know, give me some medicine or something like that. That is not what Paul wanted us to see in verses 1 and 2. This idea of now we stand is the concept of abiding. It's not this concept that we basically, and this is going to be weird, but go with it. It's not that we make an appointment with our doctor. It's that we abide with our doctor. We live there. And so because of what Jesus has done, because of that, we can be a people that rejoices. Look at Philippians 4.4. 4. It's a simple, amazing verse. Always be full of, the joy of, of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Other translations say, you know, basically rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. The concept of rejoicing is this concept of living with joy. It's, it's in every situation, in every circumstance, in every type of thing we find ourselves in, we are to live joyfully. We are to rejoice in the Lord. And that happens not because our lives are always perfect, not because sometimes life isn't hard, because quite honestly, a lot of time life is hard. But we can rejoice because of what Paul reminded us in verse 1 and 2. That we can have right standing with God. That we have a relationship with Him. And it is not far away, but it's close and it's intimate. And it's an ability for us to say, you know what? I don't just make an appointment with my God when things are hard and going difficult. I abide with Him. I live with Him. He lives with me. And there's a closeness there 
that God wants us to live in. Listen, worship, rejoicing, and being thankful should be a natural and continuous response for a follower of Christ. Listen, when you stop and you take inventory of your life, I have a question. It's real simple. Are you a person of worship? Are you a person that lives with the joy of the Lord? Are you someone that has a thankful heart because of what God has done? And unfortunately, here's the deal. We tend to have those things when everything is going the way we want it to go. And then when it doesn't, when things don't go the way we think they should, all of a sudden, well, maybe I should just speak for me. I become a lot less worshipful. I become a lot less rejoicing. I become a lot less thankful. Instead, I become this guy that basically says, hey God, I don't know if you're paying attention, but my program isn't being fulfilled in the way I think it should be. And God just sits there and he just says, oh, bless your heart. You know, if you don't know what that means, if you're not from the South or from that area, it's not a good thing, okay? When somebody says that to you and they say, oh, bless your heart, it sounds sweet, but it's not, okay? And God looks at me at times and says, Aaron, it isn't about what you want. It isn't about your plan or your program or what you think should happen. My plan is better than that. You know, here's the thing that we should remember. When things don't go our way according to our plan, we should rejoice more because God's plan is better than our way anyway. But it's so hard. It's so hard. How do we do that? I think the easiest way is we remember the first two things that we were reminded last week. We remember about this peace with God. We remember about our right standing now, not because of what you and I have done, but because of what Jesus has done. That's so important. So we can be a people of rejoicing. We can be a people that are filled with worship and joy and thankfulness. And listen, hopefully that it's so obvious that people will notice it. But we can be that way. It's a benefit because of what Christ has done for us. Number two, and this one's going to seem weird, the benefit of suffering. The benefit of... Of suffering. Now, I know this flies into our, everybody's face when it comes to how we want our lives to be. Because I know you're, okay, seriously, Aaron, I, okay, I, you know, some of you are like, I know where you're going with this, but let's be honest with ourselves for just a moment. None of us that go through suffering really do, you know, have a happy dance in that moment, do we? But there is a great benefit to that. There is a great benefit when God says, listen, I'm going to take you through a time that's not going to be easy. I'm going to take you through a time that is going to be difficult. But you know what? There is a benefit in the suffering. But we have to learn a couple things about it first. We have to understand because quite honestly, it isn't easy. It isn't easy to look at the hard moments of our lives and go, oh, yes, things are going horrible. I'm, I'm, this is going difficult. Oh, goody, 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 goody. If you do that, you're either really, really, really spiritually mature or you're lying. Because none of us like that. None of us are happy in those moments, but they're so important. There is a benefit in the suffering. Let's look at something else Paul helped us to see in, in, in this concept. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 4. 
We're going to break this down a little bit. We're going to start with verse 4 in verse number 7 because there's some interesting things here that we need to understand when it comes to suffering, how we deal with it, and our perspective on it. So here's what it says. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Now, I want to stop here for a second because, and this is going to age me a little bit, this is not just a band that I listened to when I was in high school, okay? There is a concept here that Paul wants us to get. When he basically gives us this idea or this picture of clay jars, you need to understand what he's trying to get us to see. Clay jars at this time were extremely fragile, okay? They were not something that you would, you know, you would not pass down your clay jars to the next generation for one simple reason. They would not last very long. They weren't very good. They were basically the cheapest kind of container that you could get at that time. Okay? And so for them to break, they weren't very expensive. If they broke, okay, you went and bought another clay jar. Okay? So Paul here is trying to get us to see something very important. He's saying, listen, this treasure, this thing that is in you, this, the spirit of God that is in you, when you've accepted him, it has been placed in this very fragile, very easily broken container. Let's continue. He says it contains this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Here's the mistake a lot of us tend to make when it comes to moments of struggle that we don't handle correctly and it causes us to miss the benefit, okay? We go through something difficult. We go through something hard. We realize in that moment that, you know what? I'm not a really strong jar. I'm a pretty weak jar. And we run to God. And we say, God, I need your help. God, I need you. God, can you help me here? God, can you, can you help in this situation? Can you change this situation? And God begins to move, and God begins to do great things, and it's an amazing situation. And here's what tends to happen. About two or three days, depending on who you are, after the storm has passed, we tend to change our perspective and change our attitude from God, I need you, to God, I got this. We tend to think we're a little stronger than we are. And in this verse, Paul is wanting us to see something very important. That we have an unbelievable treasure in us. But we're still easily broken people. What is great about us in us that is going to change the lives of people in our community, people in our world, and people in our families is not the clay jar. It's the stuff that's inside of it. That's where the power comes from. That is so important to understand because so many times God will ask us to do something and the reason we say we can't is because we look at the clay jar and we say the clay jar can't do it. It's not about your clay jar. Your clay jar is fragile. Your clay jar at times, can we be honest, will get broken. What needs to be the focus is the power that God wants to bring out through you. It's his power, not yours. And typically, we tend to live that type of lifestyle where we forget that. Now, let's continue on with verse number 8. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, and we're going to jump a little bit, okay? So this is what he says with that concept. We are pressed on every side by troubles, 
but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not... Can we go in there? There we go. Not destroyed. I couldn't remember. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Now let's jump to verse number 15. All of this, all of these struggles, all of this pain at times is for your benefit. Okay, can we, can we, okay, I'm going to bring up some very hard moments and hard memories for you. Are you ready? Okay, at least for me, okay? I love you, Dad, but this is, this is just true, okay? You ever been punished? And you heard the line, this hurts me more than it hurts you. You know what dad was trying to communicate? This is for your benefit. This isn't fun right now, but this is important for you. Okay? Jesus here, through Paul, is communicating this concept that, listen, this is for your benefit. This is for you to see something important. Okay? It's important. Now, verse number 16 and 18. He says, this is why we never give up. Okay? This is why, because it's for our benefit. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Verse number 17. For our present troubles are small. Here, listen, hear these words, okay? Get this in your heart, okay? Because if you're going through a struggle right now, you need to hear these things. They won't last very long. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. If you have your Bible and you mark in it or you have a phone and you mark on your stuff, will you do me a favor? Mark on there, will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see, underline, will last forever. These struggles are going to be hard. They're not going to be easy, but they are for your benefit. They are going to change you and help you and help you to become the man or woman or, or young person of God that God has called you to be. You see, suffering can be productive and a benefit if, if, it's one of those small, very big words, if we respond to it properly. If we don't respond to it properly, we'll miss the benefit. You say, Aaron, what do you mean? How do I respond to it properly? Basically, Paul just told us. We get our eyes off the temporal and we get them on the eternal. We understand that the things that we go through won't last very long. And look, I get it. It seems like it's going to go on forever. It can seem like it just goes on and on and on. But God's word is telling us here, no matter how long this goes on, that struggle or that hurt, that it will be nothing compared to eternity. We have to be willing to switch our perspective on this. And it's very hard. But if we want to get the benefit of the suffering to the fullest extent that God wants us to, we have to be willing to deal with it properly. 
properly. Excuse me. I want to look at a story in Scripture to kind of help us to see this even a little more clearly. We're going to turn to, in our Bibles to Matthew 11. Okay? Matthew 11. Now, in Matthew 11, we see a very interesting portion of Scripture. We see basically John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin. The, the Bible tells us that John was, I mean, John is a major player in, in the life of Jesus, and in, he was the forerunner of Jesus in a lot of ways, uh, the Bible tells us. And, and, and the Bible really says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. I mean, this guy is, is the A team. You know what I mean? This is the varsity team, if that makes sense. Okay? And so he is in prison in Matthew 11. He's been thrown into prison, and this is what it says. Got to pick up the story there. It says, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in the towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent disciples, his disciples, okay, to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? So here's this guy, man. He is, he's the A-team. He's on top of it. He knows stuff. He's, he baptized Jesus and experienced this, this unbelievable moment. But now he's in prison. Now he's suffering. Now he's hurting. Now he's confused in a lot of ways. Like, God, what are you doing? And so he sends his disciples to Jesus and go, listen, are you really who you, who you say you are? are? Are you the guy or are you somebody else? This is the context of this story. There's a lot of turmoil going on in John's heart in this moment. Because remember the things he's seen, the things he's experienced. He's talked to Jesus and experienced. He's seen things that Jesus has done. But he's questioning it right now. Why? I think it's mainly because he's just hurting and he's suffering. And we tend to do the same thing. But listen, look what, Matthew, or what Jesus does. He responds in a very interesting way. Matthew 4, or 11, 4 and 5. This is what he says. Jesus told them. Go back and tell John, or go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen, okay? And now Jesus is going to tell him what they have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the, to the poor. Now, let me tell you what Jesus has just done here. Some of you know this, maybe some of you don't. Jesus is quoted basically out of Isaiah. Isaiah had some, some, some awesome messianic texts where he, he talks and prophesies about the Messiah and what the Messiah is going to do and be like. And Jesus here has just started basically quoting basically Isaiah to John's disciples and said, listen, go back and tell him these things. Basically say, I am fulfilling these prophecies that Isaiah gave a long, long time ago. And these are in your notes. I want you to see these. And I also gave you some, some scripture references where they're at. So, so in these ideas, we see the blind see that comes from Isaiah 29, the lame walk, Isaiah 35, Leopards are cured, Isaiah 53. The death here, once again, Isaiah 29 and 35. The dead are raised to life, Isaiah 26. And the good news is preached, Isaiah 61. Now, here's the thing, okay? Jesus, as he's explaining this to John, as he's giving these things, Jesus leaves out something very interesting here. Okay? A lot of times we look at what Jesus has, has told us and what we see, and that's important. But there's also sometimes what Jesus doesn't say that can be just as important. 
You see, Jesus gives out these prophecies, but he leaves one out that he used earlier on as his ministry began. You see, back in Luke, when Jesus is starting up his ministry, when he's standing up in the temple and beginning to share some things, he begins to quote Isaiah 61. Now, remember, the last one we talked about that Jesus quoted is from Isaiah 61. This is in your notes. If you want to, it'll be up on the screen if you want to turn there. But let's look at what Jesus quotes to the people in Isaiah 61, 1. And I want you to see if you notice something, okay? This is what he says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Did you catch it? <laughs> He's in prison, folks. Wouldn't you think a very comforting, nice thing to say would be the end of Isaiah 61.1? And Jesus doesn't. Why? Well, if you know the end of the story, John never can get out of prison. John is beheaded in prison. Isn't it interesting that Jesus in this moment doesn't comfort him that way? Now, you would think that if anybody could maybe get a little bit of a pass on suffering... It would be Jesus' cousin. I mean, this is, this is family here, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like you're going to give a little, little pass to the family, you know? And he doesn't. And he goes one step further. He doesn't even quote a portion of Scripture. Because Jesus knows, in this instance, he's not going to be set free. And here's also another reason why. More than likely, if we be honest, if Jesus had done that... John's response would have been probably taking it somewhat out of context for the moment. John would have been like, sweet, I'm getting out of here. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a free as a bird. Well, a lot of times what we see here is Jesus is communicating not just necessarily in a physical sense of freedom, but in a spiritual sense of freedom. Jesus here saying the captives are going to be set free. Listen, if you've been forgiven of your sin, you are a captive that has been set free. There are many, many people who may be incarcerated right now in their bodies, but have accepted Jesus that are freer than people that are walking around without being incarcerated in this world. Do you get what I'm saying here? So he purposely says, no, I'm not going to tell you that. And he suffered and he died. But you know what? It was for his and our benefit. So many times there is sorrow, confusion, and anger during our suffering. However, we must have the perspective that God's grace is sufficient and his power works best in our weaknesses. In our weakness. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians 12. When God, when God is the strongest in our lives, it's because we in those moments are the weakest. We are those fragile clay pots. But when we turn to him, when we look to him, God does amazing things in us and through us. Number three, the benefit of development. The benefit 
of development. In Romans 5.3, in the first part of, of, of the second part of the scripture, it says, for we know that they help us develop. They help us develop. Okay, one of the things that is so important to me and, and, and hopefully is to you in my life and in yours is that you are developing. It's the idea of growth. It's the idea of you are further along in your walk with God today than maybe you were yesterday. But it is this concept of growing. It's this concept of saying, you know what? I'm not going to be stagnant. I'm going to allow the things that I deal with, the things that I sometimes suffer with or even not suffer with, to develop things in me that God wants to do. We're going to look in Ephesians together as we kind of unpack this. Ephesians 4, 14, it says this. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. It's why developing is so important. It's why growth is so important to us. It's why it's vital because there are these waves and these storms that come, these new teachings and these things. And if we aren't growing in our faith, if we're not experiencing God on a daily basis through prayer and through his word, we're going to be tossed around. One of the most sad things I see in the church today is Christians that are constantly being tossed and, and thrown around by by just the things of this world and the culture and they're confusing. It just, it saddens me. And it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to be that way. But we can fight that by developing, by understanding. Because if we don't, man, it's sometimes deers in the headlights type of stuff. When I was a kid, and this, this saddens me. I'm just going to be honest with you. This, is, this has been a sad thing for me for the last like two or three years. Because I, I want my son to really experience this. And it's really hard to find a place. So if you know of a really good place, please let me know around the Denver area. But one of the greatest things as a child for me was when I maybe did good on my report card or, or whatever. And mom and dad would take me to Children's Palace. Now, later it became Toys R Us. But you get the idea, okay? These, these were the greatest places on the planet, Okay, you would walk in and you know, like you go to Walmart now and you go to Target and they have what do they call a toy section? Pitiful, pitiful, ridiculous, absolutely a travesty. No, you walked into Children's Palace or Toys R Us and it was just toys everywhere. Think, think of a Target, maybe a little smaller, but you know, when you get older, you know, things get a little, you know, but you walk in and there's toys everywhere. And I remember walking in and mom and dad would say, okay, you have $5 to spend. And I'd go over here and I'd look over here and I'd go over here and I'd look over here. <gasps> oh, but they got this and they got that. Do they have the new this? Do they have the new that? And I mean, I was running around like I had basically just sucked down 45 Cokes. And I was just eyes, boom. Oh, they have Transformers. Oh, they have G.I. Joe. <gasps> oh, they have some new toy that I just saw a commercial for on TV. And, and you know what? When I read this verse, I think of that. I think that we sometimes can be like that in our spiritual walk because we are young, because we are not developing. Because here's the thing. If I walked into a Toys R Us today, 
I would act some, hopefully, act somewhat different than I did when I walked in when I was seven. Why? Hopefully there's been a little bit of development, a little bit of growth. Doesn't mean I wouldn't be excited, because I would be. I mean, that's pretty cool. But you know what I mean. But spiritually speaking, because we haven't grown up a little bit, it's like that in our spiritual world. Well, look, this church is saying this, or this pastor's saying this, or the world's saying this, and this person's saying we should do this, or, or maybe this, or that, or this, or that. And we're just all over the place, and we don't have a really firm foundation. Spiritually speaking, we shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be like a kid in a toy store that's just going from one place to another and can't figure out what they need and what they want because there's just so much. Scripture, prayer, time with friends and family, that, that iron sharpening iron, Christians being together. Listen, that changes things. That brings us to a place of development. Listen, and you've got to remember what it said in the Scripture. One way to really check on this, one way to kind of take your, ther uh, your, your temperature on this is this. When you are mature you are not influenced you do the influencing when you look at your relationships with people when you look at your relationship with your kids or your spouse or your co-workers who does the influencing do you tend to be drawn to them and what they see and what they believe or are you drawing them closer to Jesus what is the answer in that? Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading as John, or excuse me, as Paul continues in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 4. Now we're going to look at 15 and 16. Instead, so remember, we just had this idea of the kid in, in the toy store going nuts. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Okay, remember that. We're going to get back to that in just a second. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Okay? Okay, I want you to imagine that, and obviously sometimes this happens with people, so I'm just picking a random body part, okay? But what if tomorrow you woke up and you stood up and basically, I know it's going to sound weird, but your liver basically just said, hey, dude, listen, man, listen, I, I know I've been really glad to be a part of your body, you know, for the last, you know, 40-some <clears throat> years. And, and, but you know what? <sighs> dude, I'm out. I'm out. Listen, it's just not working out for me, you know, to be a part of this. I, I just don't feel it anymore. You know, it's like, you know, listen, there's this really cool other body down the, the road that I'm kind of interested in checking out, you know. So I'm just, I'm just out, dude. I'm, I'm out. I mean, what would happen if your body had body parts that just all decided all of a sudden, you know, I'm just... You know, your lungs were just like, you know, I am so tired of, of getting in air and taking air out again in you. You know, I'm just, I think I'm done. Well, here's what would happen. It's real simple. The body would die. The body would not function the way it's supposed to. One of the things you need to understand about your growth and your development is it's not just for you. 
It's so that this body and the bodies that you're a part of, your church, your family, your workplaces, can function in a way that they'll be used by God in the greatest capacity that God wants to use it. Listen, you have an important part to play. And when you say, I'm out, when you say, I'm just not interested, man, I just don't have time, the body suffers. The body suffers. And you go, Aaron, that's not cool. Aaron, are you trying to... No, that's what Scripture says. You can't get away from it. When we say, I'm out, when we say, I'm just not into that, I just don't want to be used by God in that area, basically, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the body that God has placed you a part of. Listen, I'm, can I just be bold? Because I'm going to be, okay? Can I just be bold? Listen, I need you. To get off your backside and start being a part of what God is calling you to do. I need you to start calling up people in this church and outside of this church and say, listen, I want you to come, come over to my house. Have some food with me. I, I'll take care. We'll, we'll play a game. Spend time together. Listen, play Monopoly. Play, play Connect Four. I don't care. Let them win the first time and then beat them down the second. I don't care. But we need to get involved again. We need to be willing to say, you know what? I want to change the lives of others that God has placed me in. Listen, it's real simple. There is one, you have to have it to get mature Christians. And this is just the way God has made it. To get mature Christians, you got to have mature Christians. Because if not, it's the blind leading the blind. So listen, what do I need? I'll tell you what I need. For those of you that are mature, for those of you that look at your life and say, hey, I'm an influencer. Hey, I've been used by... Listen, I need you to get off your backside, get on the text or phone, and start having relationships with each other again. We have spent the last two years of our world basically going, I can't be a part. I can't be a part. We got to stay away. And it has robbed us of things that God wants to do in us and through us. And it's time that we say enough is enough and we're going to be the body again and we're going to start ministering to each other again. We're going to start letting iron sharpening iron again because we're not going to stand by the sidelines and let people miss out on what God has for them. All of us need to do this. All of us need to be willing you say, well, Aaron, I'm just going to wait. I'm, I'm rather, I'm newer here. I'm going to wait for someone to invite me. Invite them! Listen, I know all of you fairly well. Never, neither, I've never been bitten by any of you. Not once. I know some of you have tried, and I've been really quick. But we need to get to the place again where we're working on this and we're allowing these things. And listen, for those that are online, maybe I know some of you, you are far, far away from, from this area right now. You are not abstained from this, okay? There are people around you that you need to invite and be a part of, have, be a part of your life again. This is such a biblical concept, folks, that we actually have a spiritual gift of hospitality. That means it's important again. We can't miss it. We need to allow our growth to affect others. And it's important. The final one. The final one. The benefit of endurance. 
the benefit of endurance. This is a really short little portion of Scripture because it just says literally endurance. Endurance. Let me define to you what endurance is. It's the ability or strength to continue, especially during prolonged fatigue, stress, and other adverse conditions. Okay? That's what endurance is. Okay? And God is looking at us and he's helping us to see, listen, through all of these things, through all these, the last thing I want to, he wants to kind of look, help us to see this morning is this idea of endurance. Question, how is your endurance? Okay, how is it? Is it good or is it bad? You know, what's amazing is we have these tools like, you know, like we, we've never had before as far as just like the ability to train athletes and things and and I, I have this watch that I use when I go for rides or even just walking around and it's got little buttons on it and it basically can tell me all this data and look I can geek out on all the data and all this sort of stuff but you know what sometimes it's not about what the watch says it just basically says is how long if I told you to run could you run how long if I put you on a bike and said use your ride how long could you ride how is your endurance because the thing about endurance, the thing about, the, uh, the, if you think of it this way, um, athletes that are endurance athletes, they put themselves in positions where they will have to suffer so that they will be able to finish the race that they're going to run or ride in. Think about that. Like, if you want your endurance to really grow... You can't do it by sitting on the couch and go, you know, I really just like more endurance. You know, I just, I'm really going to think positive thoughts about more endurance. And I will then be able to run a marathon. You can't watch it on TV. You know, I'm going to watch the Tour de France. And afterwards, I will be able to ride miles and miles and miles in the Alps. Doesn't work that way either. Here's, here's the other thing. You can come to a race you could you, you find out oh they're running a the half marathon or a, uh, the denver marathon or whatever it might be you go i am going to go to the race i will watch the individuals running the race and then afterwards i will be able to do it doesn't work that way to grow in your endurance you have to train yourself to do so and a lot of that if you understand what the definition of endurance is means that it's prolonged things where things are hard and things aren't easy and things are difficult. We talked about this a couple of months ago when we talked about the race I did. That wasn't always easy. I had to put myself in moments that were not pleasant so that I could finish the race. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 7. It says, instead, instead of some of these other things that, that we can focus in on, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. James 1, 3 through 4 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, times of testing, times of suffering, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So once again, we see that idea of developing. But the endurance. Listen, here's, here's the deal, okay? And, and I'm, I'm going to have to go to, you know, bike stuff, because that's kind of where my head is when it comes to this sort of stuff. 
But I, I've said this before. Anybody can go fast downhill. You get it? Anybody can. I put you on a bicycle. And I put you down a 20 degree slope. And you don't have to pedal. You're going to find yourself going pretty quickly. Okay? You'd be amazed how fast you can go downhill. But that's not endurance. That's gravity. <laughs> but if I said, now, you're going to have to go from that hill, you're going to have to go back up a 20-degree slope. That's a lot different. That's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to experience a deeper walk with Jesus. You say, Aaron, it's real simple. That means maybe you're going to have to get up earlier than you normally would like to to spend time with Jesus. Okay? It might mean that, going back to what I talked about, that, yeah, you're tired. It's Friday night. and Yeah, you've been had a long day, and you probably would rather just put on some sweats and order a pizza and sit in front of the tube and just watch whatever. But instead, you're going to say, no, no, I'm going to have some people over, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna enjoy fellowship time. We're going to be together. Sometimes it's, it's hard. Sometimes it isn't convenient. Can, can we be honest? A lot of times it isn't always convenient. But it's what we have to do to grow in our endurance. It's what we have to do to become more and more mature. Being willing to put ourselves in positions that, you know, and look, please hear me. You know, you have people over. It shouldn't be a suffering thing, but you get what I mean. Sometimes it's not always easy. It can cost you something. But it's so important. It's so vital. The benefit, listen, the benefit of these things is so great. And honestly, the cost is so small that if we truly understood that concept, we wouldn't even hesitate to do it. The reason why we don't sometimes, the reason why I don't sometimes, is because I have my eyes on the things that really aren't going to last very long, and I've forgotten the things that will last forever. You say, Aaron, how do I do that? It's hard. You're a fragile clay pot, but we have our Jesus who will walk with us and help us. If we look to him and go to him, he can make us who he wants us to be. I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to close. Man, there's so much in this portion of scripture. There's so much that God wants us to see and understand when it comes to these benefits, you know. And there's so much that I feel like the Spirit can communicate to you and to me about maybe different areas of our lives. I mean, maybe, maybe some of you, we're just not really good. We're not good at rejoicing. We, we tend to focus in on the hardships and we tend to focus in on the difficult things so much that we forget to be a people that, that lives with joy and lives with rejoicing and lives with thankfulness. You know, maybe some of us, we get so wrapped up in the suffering 
that we miss the benefit of the suffering. We don't look at it correctly. And because of that, we miss opportunities. We miss moments that are so vital to us. Maybe some of us haven't been developing like we should. We haven't been growing like we should. We look at our lives and if we're honest, we tend to be kind of more the kid in the toy store than the adult that can walk in and be excited about the toys in the toy store, but not lose their mind. <laughs> be able to focus on what God has called them to be and do. And for some of us, our endurance just isn't very good. Maybe we're great when everything's flat. We are amazing when we're going downhill. But when that starts to happen, we tend to take our bike, set it on the side and say, I'm not moving until things get better. And we miss an opportunity to grow. I don't know where you're at, only God knows. But I will say this, I find it very unlikely that everybody here and people online aren't dealing with at least one of these issues. Maybe you're like me and if I'm honest, I'm not dealing with one, I'm dealing with several. And I need God's help. I need his help. And what's so awesome is because we have peace with God, because our standing with God is where it is, we're already in his presence. We don't have to make an appointment and say, God, I really need some help here. Could you maybe schedule me in about six months from now on a Tuesday at 1030? We can go to him right now and allow him to help us in these areas. But listen, there is some power in praying specifically. There's power when we say, God, I need some help in this area of my life. So don't miss an opportunity to grow. Don't miss an opportunity to allow God to take you by the hand and say, listen, listen, we're going to go through some endurance right now. We're going to go through some training right now. Yeah, you may be going through some suffering right now, but I've got you. I got you. Let's change our perspective so we can see it the right way. Let's live a life full of joy, no matter what the situation and circumstances we find ourselves in. Let's let God change us that way. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask in this moment that you just begin to allow the Holy Spirit just to kind of reveal those things. For those that are home or in their car, you know, wherever you're at, right now you can allow God to do that. And just ask Him, God, what areas of my life do you see that need some, some, some discipline, need some correction, need some, some help in? Because God, whatever the area is, I know that I can't fix it on my own. I need you. I'm a broken clay pot whose power is not in the pot. It's in you that's inside of me. So Jesus, I need you to come and I need you to begin to move. I need you to help me change perspectives and mindsets. I need you to help me understand that it's time to put away the excuses and it's time to be used by you in a powerful way again. Whatever it is, whatever you have placed on our hearts, the Father, that we know, we know that we need you. 
Father, thank you for the benefit of rejoicing and the benefit of suffering and the benefit of, of, of development and the benefit of endurance. Because all of these things you take and use for our benefit to make us more like you and to help us be used by you to change our home, our family, our workplaces, our schools, our churches, our communities, everything we touch, God, you want to use us to bring light into a dark place. So help us. Help us, God. Before we close, there may be individuals here online and, and you say, you know, Aaron, I, I uh, yeah, these are kind of interesting benefits, I, but I don't really know much about Jesus. I, you know, when you started talking about peace with God and, and right standing with God, you know, I, I knew in my own heart that I don't have peace with God. God and I are still kind of battling it out. I kind of want to go my way and God's trying to say, no, I have a better way for you. And, and listen, if that's you, first and foremost, I'm excited that you're on a journey to discover more about who Jesus is. I'm excited that you've taken the, taken the time to, to hear what God, how God sees you and how much God loves you. That God's not warring with you because he's angry. He's warring with you because he wants to bring you home because he has a better life for you, a full life for you. But that life isn't found in things and it's not found in other relationships. It's not found in how much you have or how much you don't have, how many followers or friends. What it really boils down to is this. You have a hole that's inside of you that can only be filled with God. It was create, you were created this way. And we try to fill it with so many things and they never satisfy because they weren't designed to go in that hole. Only Jesus can fit it. And God is, is reaching out for you right now and saying, come home, come home. Let me fill that place deep inside of you that only I can fill. You say, Aaron, how do I do that? The Bible's really clear. It says, if you believe with your mouth, or believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So it's a concept of confessing your need and, and believing, having faith that Jesus came and he died, he rose again for your sin, that he was Lord and Savior. So if that's you, before you can really get to today's message in a lot of ways, we've got to remember last week's message. And you can, whether you're here or in your home or in your car, you just confess, Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe that you died for me, that you're God's son, and that three days later you rose again. I believe that you will forgive my sins if I ask. So I'm asking right now to cleanse all my sin, all my unrighteousness, all the things. And that, Father, I believe that in your word it says that when I do that, I become a new creation. All the old is passed away and all the new has come. I believe 
that you are the Messiah. You are God's son. And I accept you right now. And if you prayed that prayer, everything has changed. But for the rest of us that have already prayed that prayer, the transition, the growth, the refinement, the restoration, that is a process that is still going on and we need God's help with. So God, we come to you right now and whatever need, whatever situation these individuals here online are facing, God, God, I pray that they would just call out to you. They would call out and say, God, I need help with my endurance. God, I need help with my life of thankfulness or, or rejoicing. God, I need help in my development. I'm not growing. I'm not developing in the way I should. God, I need your help. I need to, to do these things and help me to do them. God, whatever it is, wherever we're at, God, I pray that you would come. We acknowledge that we need you. And you're the only one that can do in us what we need. We love you. We thank you. Let's all stand. John and, and Wendy are going to come lead us in a quick closing chorus. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come Longing just to breathe Something that's a word That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. See such much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've needed and it's all about you all about you about you all about what you want to do in us and through us it's all about you taking us from where we are and and developing us into the men and the women of God that you called us to be and so father right now I just pray over every individual that's here every individual that's online I don't care how young or how old. God, I just pray an anointing over them. God, I pray a blessing over them. 
that Father, that they would find a new level of intimacy with you, a new level of anointing in you, that Father, that they would walk in, in a new place with you, a new level. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I call them up to a new level, a new place, a new, a new level of authority, a new level of influence, a new level of, 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 of being able to hear your word and communicate it and share it and live it out. Father, I pray that wherever they are now, that Father, you would just take them and just bring them to a new place in you. And that, Father, that in, in from there they wouldn't stop, that then they go to the next step and the next level and the next level. That, Father, we would never stop until you bring us home. Help us, God, for every single one. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. You're so amazingly good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, thank you so much for being here. Hope that you have a wonderful week. For those that are online, hey, we love you. We miss you. We hope to see you soon. Everybody else, have a wonderful week. I think it's supposed to be beautiful. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy outside. Have a great week. Love you. We'll talk to you soon.